I'm Steph. And I'm Drew. And you're listening to Spirited Spirits. Tonight, we will be discussing another quote-unquote real haunted house and the demons that allegedly terrorized a family in Gary, Indiana. Now, this story was covered by several media outlets, including the Indianapolis Star, USA Today, ABC News, and many more. The media dubbed this one the New Amityville Horror, and it, it certainly has similarities, Okay, but it doesn't have the murder aspect that Amityville had. So I researched numerous articles and I watched the Demon House documentary, which I will talk about a bit later. But the bulk of the information I'm going to discuss tonight came from the original Indianapolis Star article titled The Exorcisms of LaToya Amons, written by Marissa Kwiatkowski. Kwiatkowski? Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly pronouncing that correctly we have really good pronunciations of names at this well there's just a lot of k's and okay quietowski i think you did a great job okay (laughs) so i'll link that article in the show notes too now before we go any further let's just let everyone know we're taking it simple tonight we're not doing a cocktail um we're recording this kind of a little bit later than we had hoped to because we had a crazy busy weekend um, so we're just drinking wine tonight, just mm-hmm. to keep it simple. White wine mm-hmm. and nothing fancy. <laughs> so um, what makes this story particularly compelling is that these events were witnessed on, not only by the family, but also by police officers, hospital staff, social workers, and even a priest. You have numerous people who saw and heard things that could, they could not rationally explain. And in many cases, it actually changed their belief system. Okay. So these events are documented in police reports, multiple police reports, a Department of Child Services investigation. That's interesting. Yeah. The, the article actually states the newspaper obtained over or about 800 pages of official records on this case. Mm. Yeah. So it's crazy. Okay, so let's start at the beginning. Latoya Amons and her three children, which they're not named, like that was part of the agreement is not to name the children, along with her mother, Rosa Campbell, moved into the rental house in November of 2011. Oh, so this is recently. Fairly recently. I mean, it's like the last 20 years. Yes. A lot of the stuff that we look at is like, you know, in the 80s, 70s, 60s. So this is relatively new. Yes, yes. So located on Carolina Street, the small one-bedroom rental, I'm sorry, the small one-story rental home had three bedrooms, one bathroom, a living room, a kitchen, and a basement. 
Now, just like in the Amityville horror story, the first weird thing that the family noticed was the abundance of flies swarming mm. their screened-in porch in the cold temperatures of December. So, again, you have winter weather and you have flies that are showing up that shouldn't – it doesn't make sense for flies to be swarming and to have that many. Yeah. So, they would kill the flies, but then more would just show up again. Okay. Okay. Then LaToya and Rosa would hear heavy footsteps coming up the basement stairs. And then the door, which the basement door was right there in the kitchen, they would hear it open. They tried locking the door, but the sounds persisted. And one night, Rosa said she saw a shadowy figure pacing the living room and then saw large wet footprints appear. So in March of 2012, the family was up late mourning the death of a loved one with some family and friends when LaToya's 12-year-old daughter began levitating above the bed. So just like Kathy Lutz allegedly did in Amityville, yeah. she seemed to be unconscious and several attendees began praying for her. They were standing there in like a circle praying around her and she finally lowered back down onto the bed. After that night, Rosa told LaToya they needed to find help for the strange supernatural things that were happening in the home. They tried calling local churches. None would help them, except one church official did suggest that they clean their house and then anoint the doors and windows with oil. So LaToya used olive oil on her children's hands and feet, and made the sign of the cross on their foreheads. After reaching out to clairvoyance, the family learned their home was inundated with demons. In fact, one clairvoyant said that there was more than 200 in the home, allegedly. I have a question. Okay. So anointing with oil. Um, it's I'm biblical. Not, I know. D is it any oil? I don't know. Like, I don't know. I That's a good question. She used, she she used olive oil. oil. I mean, olive oil is a Mediterranean oil. It would have Correct. been probably used in, you know, Christianity in right. Christ's time. Because there were olive trees in, like, Jerusalem and stuff. Right. I just... I was just thinking to myself, like, okay, like, what oil do we have in our pantry if we had ever had to do that? I know we have <laughs> oil, oil, we have olive oil, but then we have, like, peanut oil and sesame <laughs> oil. Like, does it matter? <laughs> like, does I it matter know. what type of oil you use? We'd have to Google it. I okay. don't know. Okay, but the clairvoyants also suggest that they move. They said, this is bad. You've got to get out of there. But they couldn't afford to do so, you know? Right. That's. I mean, that's really hard on a family to say, hey, you have to move out of the house so you Bought. Well, they're renting. Oh, renting. No, it was a Sorry, rental, rental home. home. Yes. Yeah. Um, the family also made an altar in the basement using an end table with a white sheet over it. And then they placed a white candle, Bible, and a statue of the Holy Family. So Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. They burned sage and sulfur, which I have never heard of doing that. I've only heard of like sage and some other right. herbs. But sulfur? That's like demonic heard. to me. When you smell sulfur. Well, is that like... Is that like supernatural rules? No, that's okay. it's not just supernatural, like the show Supernatural. It's they people have said you, you when there's okay. like a demon, it, yeah. Okay. Anyway, so in the article it says that the smoke was so thick they could hardly breathe. Now I, I have we we I mainly have smudged our home before, like right. when I felt like there was some negative energy going on, or we had the weird possessed doll in our basement. Um, which you all may recall from episode, was that two, three? Yeah, it's early. It was we early talked the about podcast. the possessed doll. Yeah. Um, and so here's the thing. When you smudge a home, you have to open the windows to do it properly. 
you have to open the windows. You actually open doors too as you go throughout the home saying prayers. You have to make sure that you open the doors and windows and tell the entity to leave. Right. Say you're not welcome here. So it doesn't sound like they did that here. Okay. So at first it appeared the oil, the altars, the smudging had worked. But it didn't take long for things to get worse. Okay. So Latoya's three children, who were 7, 9, and 12 at the time, began acting possessed. She said their eyes bulged. They smiled in this strange, evil way. Um, nope. And nope. spoke with deeper voices than they should have had. Um, in every horror movie that we've seen, one thing that freaks me out is, like, creepy children yeah so like insidious and mm -hmm. insidious but like sinister yeah. and creepy children yeah so. yep so um latoya felt like they were possessed and she also felt like she was possessed she actually felt weak and lightheaded and she shook uncontrollably now the seven-year-old boy started talking about death and rosa said that she saw him fly out of the bathroom as if he was thrown the 12-year-old daughter had to have stitches after a headboard fell on her. And she also reported feeling like something was choking her and holding her down. She claims to have heard a voice that threatened her. And when the paranormal activity was really bad, the family would actually stay the night in a hotel room. So they would get out of there for the night and find another place. In April, Latoya decided to confide in her family physician, hoping he would offer a solution. Instead, he wrote that he thought she was delusional or having hallucinations. He refused to help her until she had received, quote-unquote, psychiatric clearance and signed a waiver of confidentiality. During this visit, the two sons began yelling and cursing at the doctor. Medical staff reported seeing the youngest child lift off the ground and get thrown into a wall when no one touched him. Is it documented? It, this is documented in the DCS report. Um, mm. So they, they actually end up getting investigated. So um, the, a fam family case manager was interviewed um, and, or interviewed the staff that had witnessed this. Both boys passed out. So someone at the doctor's office called 911. Several police officers and ambulances showed up and they rushed the two boys to Methodist Hospital's campus in Gary, Indiana. Which So it's in the town. Mm -hmm. When LaToya tried to again anoint the boys with olive oil, the hospital staff laughed at her and kept her away from her children. That's that. when DCS, DCS, so Department of Child Services, was called to investigate for possible child abuse and neglect. Because she was putting oil on them? Yeah, I guess so. Well, I mean, okay, okay so there's some pretty big deal, like, things happening in that office that I kind of want to down like kids are getting lifted off the ground and well they're yelling the and wall. cursing too yelling and cursing now the yelling cursing thing you know i mean I, I don't know exactly what else happened in that office but i guess i could see that being like a dcps call but just like putting oil on their heads in the hospital I mean, that's a, that would be considered a religious practice, and that's not considered a DCBS. Yeah, we're going to get into that in a second. Okay. You keep saying DCBS. Sorry. That's just a local. It's DCS, so Department, Department of, Child, of Child Services sorry, so, is what it's quoted yes. in the article. Okay. Okay. In the hospital room. So the boys were at the doctor's, the, the physician, right? The family physician. Then they get called. The 911 is called, and they're taken to Methodist Hospital. And in the hospital room, the boys awoke. And while the nine-year-old appeared to be okay, he appeared to be all right, 
The seven-year-old acted enraged. Five men had to hold him down. Now, going back to DCS, Valerie Washington was the DCS family case manager assigned to this initial investigation. She spoke to the hospital staff and then interviewed the family. During that interview, the seven-year-old boy began growling and his eyes rolled back into his head. He attacked his older brother, trying to strangle him, but the adults were able to pull him away. Valerie, again, the DCS family case manager, and a registered nurse took the boys into a small exam room. Their grandmother, Rosa, followed behind them. Again, the seven-year-old growled and threatened his brother, telling him it was time to die, quote-unquote, time to die, yes, and that he was going to kill him. The nine-year-old began headbutting his grandma in the stomach. So you have the seven-year-old growling and threatening. The nine-year-old starts headbutting this is his grandma. Chaos. Yes. Like <laughs> Rosa held his hands and began praying for him, but the child gave this weird grin and proceeded to walk backwards up the wall toward the ceiling before flipping over his grandma and landing on his feet. Valerie reported this incident in her original DCS so she report. Witnessed she witnessed this, and so did the nurse. The nurse witnessed the event and said, quote, unquote, there's no way he could have done that. Valerie described it like this. He, quote, glided backward on the floor, wall, and ceiling, end quote. The two professionals were so terrified by what they saw, they ran out of the room. Valerie told police officers she believed, quote, an evil influence could be affecting the family. Yeah. Um, being a mental health worker, I'm just trying to put myself in Valerie's shoes. If I saw that, I probably would shit my pants. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And and the thing is, so if she puts it in her actual report, mm-hmm. that's on record. Mm-hmm. So it... It's one of those things where I'm I'm having I'm like okay well maybe what did she see that could have been that you know and trying to maybe just think of a logical way of thinking about it but now I'm like well if she's that convinced that's what she saw that she put it in her actual report mm-hmm. I mean that's that's something because it's not like it's she's not like trying to like you know okay well, what did I actually see maybe he actually just did like a ninja flip well that's what so they end up they went to a doctor and told the doctor what happened and the doctor went to the child and was like do it again Mm. and he was like do what what do you mean like he could he didn't remember he didn't recall doing a backflip off of the wall that's that's he could not recreate it yeah okay so the next day DCS took emergency custody of the children without a court order. It was the youngest son's birthday, and the family was celebrating when Amons got the call. That's LaToya. Right. On April 20th, Reverend Michael Maginal also received a phone call, but this one was very different. A hospital chaplain called him to ask if he could perform an exorcism on a nine-year-old boy. Now, Maginal, Reverend Michael Maginal, a priest at St. Stephen's Martyr parish in Maryville agreed to speak to the family that Sunday after mass. He kind of wanted to figure out what was going on. He met with them on April 22nd and he just wanted to rule out if there was any natural causes for what was occurring. But during the interview, the bathroom lights began flickering and when he would go to investigate, the flickering would stop. Then the blinds started swinging for no reason 
and he witnessed wet footprints on the ground in the living room. Now, LaToya said she had a headache, and she began to shake after the priest pressed a crucifix onto her forehead. After speaking to the women for four hours, he was convinced there were demons and ghosts in the home. He performed a house blessing and told the women to get out of there to leave, and they agreed to move in with some relatives temporarily. But the women had to return within a week to let Valerie Washington, again, the DCS worker assigned to their case, into the home to check its condition. Yeah. Valerie had asked a Lake County police officer to join her. I think she was pretty shaken up from what she witnessed in the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Two other police officers from Gary and Hammond also attended the inspection. LaToya refused to go in the house. So Rosa, her mom, joined the group. Now, in the basement, the police officers found the altar that LaToya had made. They also took note of the dirt floor that was under the stairs. So the rest of the basement was like cement. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we have cement underneath this carpet, but we have cement in the unfinished. Yeah. But imagine under the stairs that there was just a section that was just dirt that mm. was not cemented. Right. Okay. A few interesting things happened during this initial visit to the home. First, an officer's audio recorder malfunctioned when he was speaking to Rosa. He had installed new batteries, fresh batteries, in the recorder, and yet they were drained. Just we know that happens yep. because we Tale were... Tale as time. Waverly and <laughs> so. um, Paris Catacombs. Yep. Same thing happened. On another recorder, an officer picked up what sounds like someone who whispers into the device... Hey. So, you know, that's an EVP, an electronic voice phenomenon that was captured. They took pictures of the home and allegedly a cloudy white image appears on one of the photos taken on the basement stairs. When enhanced, the officer believed that the cloud resembled a face. One of the officers present, Captain Charles Austin of Gary PD, also took pictures from his with his iPhone and he claimed that they contained strange silhouettes. He also experienced car trouble after visiting the house. His radio malfunctioned in his police car, and the motor on his driver's seat in his personal car broke, which could have led to an accident if he hadn't gotten it fixed. He went from being fairly skeptical to believing what LaToya and Rosa had said about the paranormal happenings in the home. Okay, so I know you'll probably touch on this maybe coming up but my question and just kind of what i'm thinking about right now Mm -hmm. is um once the kids are removed from the house do they act like they were acting i'm gonna get to that because um again i know i feel like we i just said it's like insidious where they move houses and he's still oppressed yeah it's not just it's not it's not the the house house, it's it's the the person person. and so that was my thought. I was like, okay, so if they're in foster care, let's say, and they're still like doing paranormal backflips off the wall, mm-hmm. you know. Okay, so let's <clears throat> we're actually getting ready to dive into that a little bit. Okay. In the meantime, Lake Juvenile Juvenile Court granted uh, temporary wardship of the children to DCS. They provided records showing that the children had not regularly been attending school. LaToya explained that she couldn't send them to school because, quote, the spirits would make them sick or they would be up all night without sleep, end quote. Clinical psychologists examined the children. So the children put in these, like, homes. Mm-hmm. Like, um, foster homes? Yes. Yeah, so the two older children. No, not foster homes. These Group were, homes. like, yeah. Okay. Um, and the two older children were in one, and then the younger was separated into a different one. 
So clinical psychologists examined the children while they were in these different environments. Mm -hmm. Professionals determined the youngest child acted possessed only when challenged or questioned. That's interesting. The psychologist wrote, quote, this appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetuated by his mother and potentially reinforced, end quote, by other relatives. That's interesting. Okay, let me finish. Okay. Then you can... Um, the clinical psychologists who evalu evaluated the two older children also believed that they were influenced by their mother's belief in the paranormal. Hmm. That's interesting. So now I'm a little conflicted. Okay. I'm like, I want, I'm even like, despite these witnesses. Yes. Yes. I, yeah. I know. Cause I'm, I am, I'm clinical and I know that clinical people can just be talking heads and I'm, I fully get that. Um, they also I, want to find a solution that isn't necessarily supernatural. They want to yes. find one that's like, so that's where in this, and we, this has been the through line for me for this entire journey of our podcast is that, <laughs> I'm like Fox Mulder. I want to believe. I want to believe. No, you're Scully. <laughs> I'm a little Mulder. A little I'm bit Mulder. Scully. Okay. And Mulder <laughs> doesn't want to believe. He does believe. I know, but okay. So I'm. I guess I'm more Scully. I I want to believe, and I'm Scully. But I guess the whole thing is, you know, the the witness testimony, especially like the, the actual DCS worker, mm -hmm. is so compelling because that's an eyewitness report, and she put it in her report. Because, I mean, that's that's in there. But then you have clinical psychologists that are like, well, no, I mean, these children have been brought up in this delusional, like, fantasy, you know, with their mom. And they firmly believe. And when they're questioned, a way of getting out of being questioning is acting possessed. Mm -hmm. And I've seen something similar with kids. Like, when they get into a point where they are being questioned or being um, asked to, you know, take responsibility for their behavior that I, I've seen them like roll their eyes in the back of their heads. And... Is that a form of dissociation? I mean, maybe, but also just like a, a tr almost like a trained behavior oh, like, okay. to try to like get out of being held responsible. Gotcha. But I mean, yeah, I mean, there is a, there is a part of like being, you know, dissociating a little bit and kind of checking out. But I mean, I, I've seen that some of that crazy stuff that, I mean, in some, honestly, some, Probably couldn't explain it. So yeah, well, it also reminded me of Poltergeist Three. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I wouldn't be able to make that determination. <laughs> well, in the movie, I mean, it's been a while too. But I remember in the movie that Carol Ann is seeing a psychologist about what had happened. Of course, he doesn't believe it's supernatural in nature, and he believes mm -hmm. that the parents have been influencing her and that she was having these delusions. Right. And um, so it just reminded me of that. I feel like psychologists always kind of get a bad rap in horror movies. Like they're always <laughs> like, no, this is like a real world like situation. And we're just trying to find the answer. And then Linda, you know, not Linda, Hamilton, like Linda Hamilton or, you know, Sarah Connor stabs you in the leg, you know, like, Oh yeah. Yes, like in Terminator. Terminator too. Yep. Um, so, but I think, you know, there, there can be, real world explanations but there's some stuff that we don't understand right and so this is one of those things this is a case where i'm completely conflicted okay well you prepare to be even more so oh great okay so dcs told the family that they were quote not to discuss demons and being possessed instead they had to take responsibility for their actions and latoya had to use quote alternate forms of discipline not directly related to religion and demon possession end quote 
They also were required to participate in therapy sessions. Okay. Latoya was granted supervised visits with the children to work on these objectives. She was also required to find a new job and new housing. I don't know why she didn't have a job or it's, it is implied in the article she didn't have a job. Okay, maybe she but felt like she couldn't have a job due to maybe. experience. Because, I mean, she said that about the kids not going to school. So, right. I mean, if she felt that same way. Perhaps, yeah. Um, on May 10th, Captain Charles Austin and two other officers returned to the home. So those police officers that initially came for that mm-hmm. inspection with Valerie. Yeah. Okay, the DCS worker. Now joining them was Reverend Magano, two additional police officers with police dogs, and Samantha Illick, a new DCS family case manager who replaced Valerie Washington because Valerie had refused to return to the home. I mean, for good reason, I think Valerie was pretty shook up by what she saw. Yeah. So in the basement, the group found strange liquid dripping down the walls. Samantha touched it and said it was, quote, slippery yet sticky. End quote. What is this, like the Nickelodeon, like, slime? <laughs> like slime. The wall? <laughs> well, but if you'll recall, in Amityville, remember that they claimed that there was that slime coming oh, out of that yes. door? Yes. Remember George said that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Reverend, Ma- Reverend Magano suggested they check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or cursed objects. A police officer dug into the dirt and found a press-on fingernail, white panties, a political shirt pin, a cooking pan lid, cut socks, candy wrappers, and a metal weight from a drapery cord. They raked over the dirt, and the priest threw some blessed salt under the stairs. So he, they basically found just random shit. Weird random shit, but it was buried in the dirt. So that was kind of weird. Yeah. Soon after this, Samantha began complaining about her finger. She said that her left pinky fin- finger was tingling and, and it was t- it t- had turned white and felt broken, which I have hurt my foot pretty bad before. I don't know if I broke my foot or sprained it really bad, but it like feels cold and numb. Mm-hmm. So I suspect that was a similar sensation. Now, when she talks about this, though, and I saw the pictures or finger, I couldn't help but think of what I also have with my fingers, which is Reynolds okay. syndrome. And it's where when it's really, really cold, my fingers will go numb and cold and tingly. Right. So I wondered if she was having like a Reynolds. This is the one time where I'm like, I think I could come up with a solution for what's going on here. Right. Um, and it is in May, which isn't typically a cold month. Um, but that doesn't mean... She couldn't have had this experience because, hell, I mean, it's been summertime and I've walked into the air conditioning and I've had Reynolds. Yeah. So it could be that. That's what it sounds like to me. Um, but she also had trouble breathing and felt like she was having a panic panic attack. So she actually left the house. Officers reported finding an oily substance on the blinds in the bedroom. They were concerned Rosa had poured oil on the blinds to anoint the room. And so to determine if she'd actually done this, they cleaned it all up. Okay, so they wiped the blinds down and everything to remove the substance. And then they sealed the room to ensure no one could get in there. After 25 minutes, they reopened the room and they found more of the substance on the blinds. That oily substance. It's really weird. Right. So after reporting his findings to Bishop Dale Melskick, Melskick, Reverend Magano received permission to perform a minor exorcism okay and not on the house but on latoya okay 
He did perform an intense blessing on the home before completing the minor exorcism on LaToya. Now, Samantha and two of the police officers were there. They witnessed this minor ritual. And Samantha said, quote, We felt like someone was in the room with you, someone breathing down your neck, end quote. After this event, Samantha experienced several medical problems, including third-degree burns and broken bones from several different accidents. So these were separate things that had happened to her kind of in a row. She, like, broke a rib on a skiing trip. She broke, a, I think, her foot or sprained. Well, she's had bad luck. She had bad luck. Yes. So, yes. so every time we go into this, these, like, exorcisms and people say, like, you know, if there was people bringing – or there was something breathing down my neck. I don't know if this is really stupid. But this room – it always reminds me of that ride at Disney World, the Alien Counter. Oh, but they don't have that anymore. They don't though. have that anymore. Damn, but, that was a good one. But they – it would always, like, that thing would, like, breathe down yes, your neck. Yes, it and was that, like a puff of air. And that, that would send a shiver. Yes, that, that was the, that would it was such a good but, but just thinking about being in the room and feeling that? this unknown into you like breathe down your neck no yeah no yeah okay so later the priest reverend magano received permission from bishop mills the bishop to reform a quote-unquote major exorcism so, so we've graduated from minor to major yes okay. and this one is actually approved by the catholic church and therefore it's supposed to be more powerful okay because it has the backing of the church right in total he actually performed three major exorcisms on latoya two in english one in latin latoya described the exorcisms as the most intense pain that she has ever felt he, so he had actually, Reverend Magano had actually consulted a woman about the demon or demons that were plaguing LaToya. So, okay, this is separate from the investigation, that second inv- investigation on the home. Okay. This is over a course of like three weeks or whatever. I think it was like from May to June. He performed these three exorcisms. In the meantime, he had actually gone in this like retreat and talked to this woman about what was going on. And she had given him the name of a demon she suspected was plaguing the family. Okay. She wrote this name on a slip of paper, which he said he doesn't remember it. I suspect he didn't want to say it out loud because it, yeah, there's some like we like we remember when George Lutz was like researching demon names and the priest was like, "Don't say it, don't, don't right. you dare say that name," because it gives it energy. It actually. If it's done properly, I guess, by a priest, it can take away its energy. But just a random person, like, calling out its name, it gives it energy. So, anyway, the woman wrote this name of the demon on the slip of paper, put it inside an envelope, and then blessed it with salt. Now, she said, if things get worse with Latoya, I'm going to burn the envelope with the name inside, and it should help. It should solve the problem. So, when LaToya complained of nightmares, the woman burned the envelope and LaToya said it actually worked. Her bad dream stopped. Okay. So, in the meantime, LaToya and her mother actually moved because they weren't living in that home, in that rental home anymore. They had actually found a new location. And uh, I think they're in Indianapolis at that point. Uh, Reverend Magano blessed their new home to ensure that nothing would follow them. And in November of 2012, so a year after they had moved into that rental home, back on Carolina Street, 
Latoya was able to regain custody of her children. So all of these events, everything that occurs in the home is from November of 2011 to pretty much November of 2012. I feel really bad for her. I mean, either, either way. Okay. Either if she's telling the truth mm-hmm. and she was oppressed and like all this stuff was actually happening to her, she you know lost her children for a year. Right. On the other hand, if she's having a psychotic episode or delusional or whatever, she still lost her children for a whole year. Right. And that sucks. Yeah. And like, she sounds like she did what was, what people told her to do and, you know, tried to do everything through her, you know, religious practice, but also through DCS and everything to get her children back. Right. And I just feel, I just feel bad for her. I feel, I, it sucks. So let's talk about the aftermath. Okay. Okay. So this article that I referenced here today, um, it was actually from the Indianapolis Star. So the Indianapolis Star reporter, Marissa Kwiatkowski, first reported on the Demon House in January of 2014. So you're talking, what, a year and a half, a year and a Mm -hmm. few months after this all occurred. The landlord had a hard time getting people to rent the house. They, okay. I mean, obviously, because it has this now demonic, this paranormal reputation. Okay. When national media outlets picked up the story, paranormal investigator Zach Baggins of Ghost Adventures fame Ugh. decided to buy the house for $35,000. Oh, man. I know how much you love him. Mm. <laughs> He planned to investigate the home and film the experience. He released a documentary called Demon House in 2018. It's available on Amazon Prime if you'd like to watch it. Now, I'm like, I'd rather not. <laughs> it's free, too. It's You don't have to pay for it. Okay. Um, or at least it was when I watched it. It's It may be free to rent, but you're paying part of your soul by watching it. <laughs> Zach was unable to interview Latoya or Rosa. They actually apparently had signed an agreement that, so there's actually going to be, I think a Netflix movie coming out this year, maybe, or next a year. A movie or a documentary? Um, actual, it's a mo- going to be a movie. Ugh. I think it's called the deliverance. Okay. And it's going to be based on their experience. Okay. Um, but all that to say, they would not talk to Zach. Good. I think they had assigned, <laughs> they had like, Sign some type of agreement with the right. movie company. Okay. But he did, Zach did speak to her brother about what happened. He also interviewed Captain Charles Austin and Reverend Michael Magano about their experience at the home. Now, during filming, crew members allegedly experienced strange happenings. They were negatively impacted by the house. There was mm-hmm. one camera guy in particular that goes apeshit and that never happens on ghost adventures (laughs) well i mean so zach claims the film is cursed so of course he does you can watch at your own risk i watched it and was pretty much it it was pretty much an extended episode of ghost adventures oh it sounds thrilling i also wanted to note that the house no longer exists what yes zach actually bulldozed the house after his experience filming the documentary but he did keep pieces of it. Of course he did. Including dirt from the basement. Of course he did. Um, which he has now on display at his haunted museum in Las Vegas. Oh, a grifter. Okay. I'm not a fan of that man at all. And I, I 
I, I mean, I enjoyed watching Ghost Adventures. I don't really watch as much anymore. But when we were younger, when we were younger, we, we it was hilarious. It. We would do like a drinking game and stuff. Like every time he says, "Come at me, bro," take a drink. Right. <laughs> oh man. No, yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things where he he they they experience stuff every time they go somewhere. Every time. Well, they don't get, I mean, they don't get any evidence. They get really. some, but There's it's like that? debatable What's about that? whether it's, yeah. yeah, a lot of it is like a feeling like I, Zach feels touched or, but I will tell you, um, I don't want to give too much away in case anyone watch, wants to watch Demon House, but if you are familiar with Zach Bagans, he has like an eye issue, mm-hmm. um, like a, he now has to wear, wear certain glasses or something. Okay. And allegedly it was because of this experience in the Demon House. Hmm. His eyes started burning during an investigation, and it's now led to that's. I think that's what he between but between several things that happened with crew members, and then that experience. That's why he said he bulldozed the house. He didn't want anyone else to be hurt, so uh, he destroyed the house. It's now just a green, open, grassy lot between two houses. Okay, but okay, the, the thing is though, and we've learned this from Poltergeist, mm. is that you can bulldoze a house or you can move the headstones but the bodies are still there so what if the land is cursed i think that the priest was not super happy he bulldozed the house because then it releases the entity hmm. and i i don't know if he was worried that like it was going to attach to latoya or if there oh, was going to be something but hey he brought a piece back to his museum in maybe Las it's Vegas. maybe it's now at the haunted museum so anyway okay okay so listeners what do you think do you believe that demons terrorized a family in a small house in Gary, Indiana? Let us know what you think. Email us at contactspiritedspirits at gmail.com. Yeah, and thank you so much for joining us. We hope you'll continue to listen every week as we talk about spirits while sipping on spirits. Bye. Bye.